The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Well, I tell you what, no one's ever done as much as president as this administration is doing, period. Well, he, he has done a lot, or rather I should say Barack Obama has done a lot through him, but none of it has helped the United States of America. The Bible says this is a time of bitter, bitter affliction. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show every weekday morning at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. If you go to thetrumpet.com, just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live, and it takes you right to the stream, the live stream. And also, it takes you to the podcasts that are posted after the fact, should you like to listen on demand. So much to get to on today's show. We're going to be looking at uh, the, uh, the way the media is trying to whitewash away the crimes of Sam Bankman-Fried. He had a big, I think it was 75 minutes yesterday with, uh, with the New York Times broadcast live on CNBC. Here he's guilty of all these crimes, and he's just sitting there in the Bahamas, and now the media are hard at work to try to make him look like, well, he was just uh, you know, caught up in you know, all the fun, and, and uh, he's not, you know, he was kind of duped, and, but he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth. He's telling the truth. We've got a, a long montage that kind of summarizes um, uh, all of that uh, interview back and forth. That'll be coming up uh, later on in the program. Justin Trudeau made some interesting comments regarding the protests in, uh, in China. Interesting, especially if you compare them to similar comments that he made about uh, other protests back in February. Remember that? We'll get into that later on in the show as well. But back to this comment from the fake president. He said, no one has done as much as president as this administration. Well, he's done a lot, as I say. PJ Media had a piece. If you really wanted to destroy the U.S., then dot, 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 then do what? And I think you know where they're going with this article. Pretty much do what the Joe Obama administration is doing right now. It says here, first, again, this is if you really want to destroy the U.S., first, you would surrender our prior energy independence. Just surrender, in fact, declare a war on American energy. That's what's happened. It says, make war on, on coal and nuclear power. Drain the strategic pet- petroleum reserve to make the pain for customers more bearable for midterm election advantage. You know, just wipe out the reserves. Get gas to come down, the price for it to come down just a little bit. And just before the midterms. After that, you know, never mind. Just carry on. Carry on with the war against your own energy industry. Unbelievable. It's happening right now. It says here, second, print trillions of dollars in new currency as lockdowns end. Demand rises and consumers are already started, saturated with COVID-19 subsidies. It says, ensure runaway high prices to wean the middle class off its consumerism and supposedly to inspire them to buy less junk that they don't need. 
How many times have you heard that these past months? Well, you know, we can go to the supermarket and just buy generic uh, brands. That'll, that'll save you a lot of money. Just, just, you know, lower the standard of living. This is their message to Americans. It says, third, end America's physical boundaries. Render it an amorphous people and anywhere space. Up the current nearly 50 million who were not, not born in the United States, <clears throat> 27% of California's population, to 100 million by allowing more than 3 million illegals to come in every year. It says, fourth, destroy the public trust in its elections. Destroy trust in the elections. Render election day irrelevant. Make paper ballot, or rather make proper auditing of 110 million mail-in early ballots impossible. They're already talking like uh, Warnock is uh, ahead, so far ahead against Herschel Walker in Georgia because of all of the ballot harvesting going on ahead of the election day, that's next week, that it looks like there's no way Walker's going to be able to overtake him. They've got this down to an exact science. They know how to win. They know how to steal. They did it two years ago. They did it three weeks ago. They'll probably do it next week. They keep getting away with it. I mean, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? They're like SBF in the Bahamas. He's not going to get in trouble. Where are the feds? I mean, I see the New York Times. I see George Stephanopoulos lining up to interview uh, the SBF. Where, where is Merrick Garland? Where are the, the congressmen and women to investigate this? All these people, their wealth wiped out. Their wealth stolen away by these little children. Billions and billions of dollars. There was a story the other day saying that the, the Democrats in Congress, they have six years of Donald Trump's tax returns. How I mean, think about how they're going to be going through every jot and tittle, every single line, looking for any and any possible, possible impropriety. They'll comb through those records, you can be sure. But with SBF hurting millions of Americans, you know, he made a few mistakes, just like he said yesterday. Made a few mistakes. You know, it was a bad month for me. A bad month. getting a little ahead of myself. <laughs> Ensure runaway, well, let me skip ahead, the boundaries, destroy trust in elections. Fifth, redefine crime as one rich man's crime, another poor man's necessity. Have we seen this happen? Actual criminals getting away with it, like SBF, at least to this point. And then you've got others, just a simple association with Donald Trump, put him in jail. We'll get to the Stuart Rhodes uh, conviction yesterday as well, later on in the show. They, they went after They had to get a, a, a more serious conviction for the January 6th protesters because it wasn't looking so good to put a bunch of grandmas in, in prison because they took a selfie on January 6th. So they went out and got the, I think he's with the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys, one of the two. And they got him. It's a serious charge, a seditious conspiracy. you got to put somebody in jail. They, well, they've put hundreds in jail, or over a hundred. It's, it's, uh, it's been going on for two years. It's the biggest investigation in FBI history. And I'll talk more about that in a second as well. Redefine crime as 
One rich man's crime, another poor man's necessity. Let those who need things exercise their entitlement to them. Rewrite or ignore laws to exempt the oppressed who take, or do what they want as atonement for past systemic racism and oppression. PJ Media says, six, junk the ossified idea of a melting pot and multiracial society united by common American values and ideals. Instead, identify individuals by their superficial appearance. Seek to be a victim and, and monetize your claims against perceived victimizers. Call anyone a racist who resists. Seven, it says, render the United States just one of many nations abroad. Abandon Afghanistan in shame. Leave behind thousands of loyal Afghan allies, billions of dollars in equipment, a billion-dollar embassy, and the largest air base in Central Asia. Just walk away from it in a matter of days. Abandon our allies. Put, put Americans at risk. Thirteen of them were, were blown up in the days preceding this hasty withdrawal in shame. Listen to the Pentagon spokesman John Kirby yesterday when uh, bringing up the subject of Af Afghanistan, clip two. Let's talk about okay. the Defense Department's annual report because it is uh, saying that Biden's fumbled withdrawal from Afghanistan was a propaganda gift to China. Do you agree with that? No, I do not. Uh, and I don't know that uh, that's the Pentagon's assessment that it was a propaganda gift uh, to, to China. If anything, uh, nations like China and Russia took a look at what we did in Afghanistan. And we've talked about this many, many times over the last year uh, and, I, and had to marvel uh, at the speed, the efficiency and the effectiveness uh, that oh, a very please. small. Oh, please is right. Marvel at the speed and the effectiveness of that withdrawal. China and uh, and Russia. They're looking at this as an example of how to, to withdraw in, in shame? That's, uh, there's Kirby again. We had a clip from him the other day. Some real humdingers. Listen to these people. We've accomplished so much. That's the way they think. They, they truly believe it. It's, it is a lot. A fundamental transformation of the United States. PJ Media, just to finish this article... It says, appease the theocracy to re-enter the Iran nuclear deal. Beg enemies like Venezuela, Russia, and Iran to pump more oil when it's politically expedient for us to have abundant supplies. Oil that we have in abundance, but we won't, we won't produce. Declare war on American energy and then go and beg from Saudi Arabia and, uh, and Russia and China, Venezuela. He says, eighth, neuter the First Amendment enlist Silicon Valley monopolies to silence unwanted free speech while using big tech's mega profits to warp elections. Use big tech to warp elections. Elon Musk said yesterday that Twitter interfered in president, the presidential election two years ago. He's, he's there. He's the new owner. He's sifting through all of their, their, uh, their documents, their history. He's looking at how they've, they've run the, the, the company. And he admits, yeah, we, uh, we've interfered in elections. This was his quote. The obvious reality, as long-time users know, is that Twitter has failed in trust and safety for a very long time and has interfered in elections. They canceled the New York, the New York Post's account over the Hunter Biden laptop. They said it was Russian disinformation. Twitter did that two years ago. 
And Elon Musk comes forward and just admits the obvious. Yes, we interfered in the election. This PJ Media article says, Declare free expression hate speech. Criminalize contrarian social media. Well, you can see why so many of these radical leftists are so upset at, uh, at Elon Musk and his purchase of Twitter and the fact that they've lost their little baby. They've lost that powerhouse. It's an influential platform. And now it's going to be open to both sides of the debate. Listen to Elizabeth Warren yesterday when asked about Elon Musk and his control over Twitter. This is clip one. Republicans say that um, Democrats are picking on Elon Musk. Elon Musk is doing just fine. But do you think that users have a right to freedom of speech, even if what they're saying is wrong or offensive? I think that one human being should not decide how millions of people communicate with each other. One human being should not be able to go into a dark room by himself and decide, oh, that person gets heard from, that person doesn't. That's not how it should work. That's exactly how it did work before Elon Musk came along. That's a perfect description of the way so these social media sites operated. At least in the case of Twitter, it was going on. Some person in a dark room somewhere decided less than two years ago that Donald Trump should be banned. He was the president of the United States at the time. Somewhat, maybe it was a, a few people, maybe it was more than one, but look, it was Michelle Obama who got on the phone after Jan 6 because it was an insurrection. She got on, Obama speaks and Twitter responds. Twitter acts on the Obama's directions. And so they, they banned Donald Trump. And now Musk comes back. He invites Donald Trump. He hasn't yet returned to the platform, but he says, you can come back. And they, I mean, their heads explode because they lose control. I heard that yesterday. I couldn't believe it. That's exactly what they've been doing. And they, they hate the thought of a free and fair debate. They, they hate the First Amendment. They want to destroy free speech in the United States. Listen to play the, the clip from Justin Trudeau. He, to his credit, he came out and supported the protesters in the communist state of China. Listen to what he said. I think this is clip eight. Uh, obviously, it's really important uh, that citizens uh, be able to make themselves heard, uh, that they're protesting, yes, on, on uh, a specific issue that touches on so many others of uh, government control of authoritarian states. Um, we, of course, stand with. Uh, those protesters, uh, where we know how important it is uh, for people to express themselves, uh, for journalists to be able to do their jobs. And we're going to continue to consistently uh, stand up for human rights and, uh, and the things that uh, uh, people in China and people all around the world are continuing to fight for. The citizens should be heard. We're going to stand with the protesters, he said yesterday. And what was he saying back in February? I think this is clip nine. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing. I have attended protests and rallies in the past uh, when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. Police will be given more tools 
to restore order in places where public assemblies can constitute illegal and dangerous activities. These tools include strengthening their ability to impose fines or imprisonment. Financial institutions will be authorized or directed to render essential services to help address the situation, including by regulating and prohibiting the use of property to fund or support illegal blockades. These people, I mean, they were freezing bank accounts even. And, and this was, I mean, he lowers the boom on his own citizens. He, he likes him some protests. Oh, yes, Black Lives Matter. And he's standing up for the protesters in China, but not the ones that were driving to Ottawa back in February. No, no. They, they, as you heard in that montage, they weren't thinking right. They, their views were wrong. See, these are the thought police. And more and more, I'll come to this later with a, a clip from Tucker last night. More and more, you're seeing it's open. It's naked. If you think the right way, as far as they're concerned, you can get away with stealing billions. But if you think the wrong way, you're going to the slammer. You may have your accounts frozen. PJ Media, let me finish this piece before we, we move on. It says, number nine, demonize half the country as semi-fascists, un-Americans, insurrectionists, and even potential domestic terrorists. Try to change inconvenient ancient rules Seek to pack the court in the filibuster, junk the electoral college, and bring in two more states. It says number 10, never mention the origins of COVID-19 virus. Never blame China for the release of SARS-CoV-2. Uh, exempt investigations of U.S. health officials who subsidized Chinese gain-of-function research. Ignore the Bill of Rights to mandate vaccinations, mask wearing, and quarantines. It says finally at PJ Media, we've done all of the above. We've done all of the above. It, it would be hard to imagine any planned agenda to destroy America that would have been as injurious as what we've already suffered in the last two years. And what did the fake president say yesterday? No one's ever done as much as this administration. Well, in the way of America under attack, he's right. He's right. Look at what they have done in less than two years, just two years it's taken. That's it. He mentions China there at the end. We had the show yesterday on these connections on how America has empowered, the, the, especially the radical left, has empowered China over the past three decades. It really, this article from Law and Liberty, it takes it all the way back to Richard Nixon's visit, I think in the late 60s, early 70s. As he was reaching out to China, and Herbert Armstrong, by, his way, by the way, Herbert Armstrong was saying, you know, you, if, you, if you know anything about the way the, the Eastern mind thinks, this is not going to work out so good. This will not end well. Let me just give you some excerpts from Law and Liberty. It says here, American elites have long theorized that once the Chinese people got a taste of westernization and a higher quality of life, they would begin to demand certain things of their government among them, more rights and democracy. But that hasn't happened and never will, it says. Western optimism ignored thousands of years of Eastern and Confucian tradition still deeply embedded in the Chinese people. As a result, they have no experience with self-governance and no desire for it. 
the Eastern way of thinking about government is simple. The government is a source of benevolence and meant to foster a harmonious society. To the Chinese people, the individual hardly matters. What is good for society is good for the individual. Utilitarianism and efficiency are more important than individuality and the gridlock associated with democracy. See, in, in so many of these authoritarian states run by dictators and tyrants, in a lot of cases, the, that's what the people want. Now, in the case of China here recently, they've been pushed over the edge because of these, these crazy COVID lockdowns because the communist government there is turning them into, into a slave state. It's worse than a police state. It says here, the Chinese people will remain cooperative as long as their government is seen as addressing the needs of society and the nation. What happens outside the boundaries of China hardly matters in this framework. Well, this article really keys in on something Herbert Armstrong keyed in on uh, back in the 70s when he was commenting on this outreach to Red China, as he called them. But, but then you add to that today another angle to this story that, as I said earlier this week, is so revealing is you see how many communists in this country have sold out to the communist Chinese. That's why their lips are sealed this week. That's why they're not speaking out in favor of the protesters. Because there's too much money to be made for selling out American interests. It says here, while our leaders over the last several decades smiled and shook hands with Chinese officials, the, CC the CCP built an empire of oppression military might and fear, standing in complete opposition to our values. The actual red century has turned into or turned out to be the 21st century. Communist countries of the 20th century reached economic and political heights on the world stage, but these heights were built on shifting sands. Today, China is one of the most powerful nations in the world. And America has been the chief power source for China. We have empowered China economically, even militarily. When you look at this prosperous nation, certainly more prosperous than it was four, five, six decades ago. And then all of the sellouts in the United States, in Washington, D.C., that have profited from this affair, this adulterous affair, Mr. Armstrong said this, this is from 1971, but in spite of 6,000 years of fruitless searching for peace, working for peace, struggling for peace, fighting for peace, world leaders continue searching. He talks about Nixon's visit to, uh, to Peking, as it was called at the time. It says, if one knows the communist mind, communist objectives and tactics, he will realize that such hopes Hopes for this kind of a peace arrangement have little chance. Communist leaders view such efforts toward peace as a sign of weakness to be taken every advantage of. This is tomorrow's news today. It's from back in 1971. If you haven't subscribed to our magazine, by the way, tomorrow's news today, of course, this was from The Plain Truth, Mr. Armstrong's magazine. Ours is called The Trumpet, and it is blasting a trumpet warning to this world. You can subscribe at no cost, no obligation. Just call our operators, 
He says, finally, communist leaders view such efforts toward peace as a sign of weakness to be taken every advantage of, and they certainly have taken advantage of the United States. And as I said on yesterday's show, the only one that, that saw it the way, the way that you should, you should see it is, is Donald Trump. He saw how America was being taken advantage of. So he based his whole run for the presidency back in 2015 and 16 on, in, in large part, better trade deals with China and so on. He said he was a friend of Xi, but that he told him straight up, things are going to change. And they did. They did for a short period of time. You can, you can see why the communists in China and the communists in the United States did everything in their power to destroy Donald Trump, to remove him from the presidency, even going as far as stealing an election. It says here, the only thing they respect, speaking of the, the red Chinese, the China, the CCP, the only thing they, they respect is superior force. I think they respect these people groveling before them, begging for money in exchange for favors, Hunter Biden and the company going over with him, the Biden crime family, the Clintons, the, the Pelosi's, the Schumer's, the Romney's. Do you think when they meet up with their Chinese officials that it really does intimidate the Chinese into submission? Of course not. Of course not. The only thing they respect is superior force, and America hasn't been showing much of that in the last three decades. When we come back, we'll get to uh, quite a few other news stories that I want to hurry through. I'm going to have to hurry to keep pace on today's fast-moving show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. This is KPCG-FM, and this is The Trumpet Daily. The developed nations have made awesome progress. They have produced a highly mechanized world, providing every luxury, modern convenience, and means of pleasure. Yet they are cursed with crime, violence, injustice, sickness and disease, broken homes and families. At the same time, more than one half the world is living in illiteracy, abject poverty, filth and squalor. Violence and destruction are rapidly multiplying. Many ask, why? If God exists, does he allow so much violence and human suffering? To understand the reason behind this astonishing paradox, request a complimentary copy of Mystery of the Ages. We were born into this 20th century world as it is. We take it for granted, but we can't explain it. It's like viewing a movie at a point already near the end. We see what is occurring at that point, but not having seen it from the beginning and not knowing how events developed to the point of viewing, we simply cannot understand what we are seeing. Mystery of the Ages transports you back to the beginning of the movie, to the foundation of this present evil world. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Um, clearly, I um, I made a lot of mistakes. Or yeah, um, I mean, I'm deeply sorry about what happened. Um, but, um, but let's but, just 
But just yeah. make this very straight. Was there commingling of funds? That's what it appears like. I ain't knowingly commingle funds. Anything like that. Alameda is a wholly separate entity. They're different offices, like different principal offices. We don't have any shared personnel. We're also not the same company. We not all are under the same corporate umbrella or anything like that. And yet it seems like Alameda people were living in the same penthouse where you may very well be right now all together. Um, I, most of Alameda was not, uh, was not there. Uh, I, I don't live there now, but, uh, or you know, not there now, I have not uh, lived there uh, for much of the time. But you know, uh, obviously that, that's a pretty big mistake on Mark. That's a pretty big oversight that I wasn't more aware. Um, I think I was you know, scared of, um, I was nervous uh, because of the conflict of interest about being too involved. Let's talk about collateral, um, because I think this, is, this entire experience has been a revelation for a lot of people about uh, what might be collateral. Do you think that you were marking them properly? Uh, in Alameda's case, I don't think I was marking them uh, the way I wish I had from a risk perspective. You're in the Bahamas right now. Are you in the Bahamas because you think you can't leave? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm in the Bahamas. I, mean, I, I have been in, in the Bahamas for the last year. And right now, I mean, look, I, I've had a bad month. Um, this has not been a fun month for me. But that's not what matters here. Like, you, you did an interview, I think perhaps inadvertently, uh, over Twitter DMs uh, with a reporter at Vox. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was a, a frustrating series. It was not meant to be a, a public interview. It was a longtime friend of mine who I stupidly uh, forgot was also a reporter. You also um, made big investments uh, in a number of media companies. And I think that's raised a lot of questions about whether you were trying to buy influence. Can you speak to that? I mean, I think media matters a lot, and I want to support good media ventures. That was the whole thesis there. And but then there's also reports uh, that your parents signed and were effectively provided with what seemed like a vacation home. So uh, I don't know the details of the that house um, for for my parents, but but it seems like when you read the stories, it sounds like a, a bunch of kids. Uh, who were on Adderall having a sleepover party. Um, I mean, look, I screwed up. Like, Can I ask you about the drugs? Um, you you yeah. have tweeted about it. Caroline has tweeted about it. Others have tweeted about uppers and downers. Uh, there were no wild parties here. When we had parties, we'd play board games. And What about the governance? Because one of the things we have not talked about is you had no board and you had no CFO. And that so, should have been a red flag, frankly, for all of us. So interestingly, in some ways, we had too many boards. We had. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Hopefully, we're going to get him back uh, in just a moment, if we can. How much money do you have left at this point? Uh, I mean, I, to my knowledge, like. Were you truthful with us today? I, I was as truthful as, as I, as you know, I'm knowledgeable to be. There's, there's, there's some things I wish I knew more about. He's uh, just had a bad month, and uh, you know, 
something something to just laugh off. There's an audience there, a live audience that's able to chuckle away as he explains. I guess he doesn't really even explain it, does he? How he made off with billions of dollars. It just disappeared. Who suffers? Who suffers? And what does this tell you, this story, about your media, about the free press in the United States? This is an epic scandal. And you see how he's going to be treated. Listen to this one from uh, Stephanopoulos. I think this plays uh, tomorrow. This is uh, clip six. I can't imagine what it feels like to go from $20 billion to $100,000. Yeah. How did he go from crypto hero to crypto supervillain? Today, a lot of people look at you and see Bernie Madoff. GMA Tomorrow, Sam Bankman-Fried, one-on-one with George Stephanopoulos. What happened to the billions people invested with him? What is the talent that you have that convinced people they should invest billions of dollars? He was on top of the world. You got all these celebrities. You did it in a big way. Yeah. Have you gotten calls from any of the celebrities who endorsed you? But now... Are you worried about going to jail? And what led to this? That's a pretty stunning admission. The breaking new interview tomorrow on ABC's Good Morning America. So what you're seeing here is the media's attempt to reshape the image of this criminal into someone who just had a, a bad month. He's, he's going he's gonna to come out of this. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. He's going to come out of this as a victim. The media are good at this, turning the criminals into victims. And you know why you need to sympathize for him? Because he donated to Democrats and he donated to media voices. So look, don't go after him like you would Donald Trump. I mean, Trump, if you get six years of tax returns, you know there's some evil going on there. Oh, yes, they'll find it. They'll find something, some little perk that he put on or didn't put on the taxes. He didn't turn in. But this guy, highway robbery. And to this point, he gets away with it. And now he's doing all the sit-downs with the New York Times guy, George Stephanopoulos, tomorrow. This show, the media knew. The media helped to cover up the crimes of SBF. And now there they are with their legs crossed and then their arms folded sometimes. Are you worried that you might go to jail? You can't believe anything they say or do. You really cannot. You, you have to question every statement that they make because they lie. They were on the take. It's kind of like with China. No wonder they're treated with kid gloves over here. And just the way they're treating SBF. If they were willing, this is such an epic and obvious scandal And if the media are prepared to cover it up along the way, and then once it's finally exposed, to try to help reshape his image, what does that tell you about what they're willing to do to cover up scandalous activity and behavior? Do you think they would cover up an election steal? Do you think that if the election was stolen, do you think they'd be willing to cover it up? And in fact, to even go after you as an election denier and even attempt to put you in jail if you were there protesting on January 6th? 
Listen to this from that exchange yesterday with the New York Times guy. This is clip three. One of the, the letters I got, uh, I want to read to you, Sam, um, because it's from a gentleman who said that he lost his life savings. Um, and the subject line is, Sam Bankman-Fried stole $2 million from me. Says Andrew, can you please ask SBF why he decided to steal my life savings and the $10 billion more from customers to give to his hedge fund, Alameda? Can you ask him why his hedge fund was leveraging long all of these S-coins? I'm going to keep it polite for the kids. Please ask him if he thinks, the, thinks what happened was fraud. These are the kinds of letters that I've been getting repeatedly over the past several days. What do you tell this, this man? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm deeply sorry about what happened. He's deeply sorry for wiping out the life savings of how many people? Millions? There's a lawsuit going on right now in New York State against Donald Trump for allegedly overvaluing some of his assets. Can you believe that? Donald Trump has to fight in court because some Yahoo says, you overvalued some of your assets. At least he has assets. This guy has none. This guy brought in millions and millions of dollars into his Ponzi scheme. And, and, and celebrities helped him. Super Bowl commercials celebrated this man's business, if you can even call it that. It was a Ponzi scheme. And he helped himself to all the money. Now it's gone. And people's life savings have been destroyed. Just think about that for a second. Particularly with you, when you contrast it with or compare it to how they're going after Donald Trump's tax returns, of all things. It, as I say, at least he had a business. And at least he has tangible assets. And tens of thousands of people have worked for him and have benefited from his business. He's paid salaries. And the communist left, they want to destroy him. Do they want to destroy SBF? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Still no word from the feds. I guess they're going to tuck it away for a while like Hunter's laptop, and we'll see what comes of it. A year maybe? Two years down the road? Listen to Tucker from last night, clip five. But what's most interesting about an event like this is not what it tells us about the guests. At some point, history will render its judgment about them. But what it tells us about the people who invited the guests. If it's okay to treat Sam Bankman-Fried like just another naughty celebrity, Sam Bankman-Fried, everybody! Applause, applause, applause! If you can do that, then who's off limits? Who's beyond the pale? Well, as it happens, the New York Times has spent the last few days telling us delivering yet another hyperventilating lecture about who we're allowed to associate with and who we must avoid at all costs. And it really depends on political loyalty. Some people, the New York Times has explained, have views that are so reprehensible, these people are physically off limits. You cannot be in the same room with people like that. You can't talk to them. You can't ask them questions. Their opinions are like smallpox, communicable and deadly. These are the thought criminals, and thought crimes are the only crimes that matter. Other crimes, not such a big deal. Murder and rape and carjacking, nah. As the New York Times has often told us, people who do, do those things are the victims of your racism, so they deserve compassion. So by the way, do good liberals who stray outside the lines. 
good liberals can always be forgiven, even when the things they've done are objectively very, very bad, like tanking the U.S. economy or stealing billions from investors and using it to buy Bahamian real estate or bringing the entire world to the brink of nuclear war and getting rich while you do it. Liberals can still do these things and you can still heartily applaud them because in the end, you know their hearts are in the right place. They believe the right things. In the, in the middle of that monologue, he alludes there to the, the, uh, the dinner that uh, Donald Trump had with Kanye West, uh, Fuentes, I believe is, is the other guy's name, and then uh, Yiannopoulos or whatever his name is. He, he's the one who admitted to NBC that he kind of coordinated the ambush. And we've been lectured over the past week. They're, they're, if you sit down with someone like that, you're a racist. You're an anti and, and it's disqualifying, said Mitch McConnell. You can't run for political office. They want to run you out of town because he had lunch with Kanye. And yet this guy, he, he scampers off with billions. How's the media going to be treating him for destroying lives? It's the same way they're going to treat your, uh, your ordinary Democrat who's out there trying to destroy the economy, to open the border, to line his pockets with funds from China. What a system. You think this is going to last for very long? Even when Jeroboam returns, and we know it's prophesied, he's coming back. But as I was saying in, in Freshman Bible this morning, I mean, you just look around at the freak shows in this country. There is no standard of right and wrong. I mean, we're, in the, we're at the final and silly and deviant stages of no values whatsoever, no good and evil, certainly not, no right and wrong. We've rejected God, just like Romans 1 says. We've rejected God. We're not thankful. We don't appreciate anything. And it's just, it's just an evolving standard of justice. Every man does what seems right in his own eyes, just as it's prophesied in your Bible. It happened in history, Judges 21 and verse 25. But look, this is the way that ends in death. Read Proverbs 14 and verse 12. Yesterday, Stuart Rhodes and Kelly Meggs were convicted of seditious conspiracy. The other defendants, I think there were three others that were, um, that were not convicted. I think that happened some time ago. They were acquitted. Uh, but they were, the feds were trying to get them on sedition. Because, you know, January 6th was so, it was worse since the Civil War. It was worse than the Civil War. Trump Republicans tried to take over the government. And here was one of the ringleaders, Stuart Rhodes, and they finally got him. They didn't go after him until about a year after Jan 6th. Because nothing, nothing much, not in the sedition variety, was sticking to these mom and pop protesters from January 6th. So they finally get Stuart Rhodes. Who's he over? The Proud Boys? It's one of those groups. They went after him on these five charges. Seditious conspiracy, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an official proceeding, and aiding and abetting. I think that's the third one they got. They got him on the first and the third. The other one says conspiracy to prevent an officer from discharging any duties, and then destruction of government property and aiding and abetting. So Rhodes is convicted of counts one and three, the seditious conspiracy, the obstruction of, of Congress. The others are more specific, and, and really and truly, if they're planning to take over the government, 
months in advance. And, and by the way, FBI informants, an FBI informant was the second guy in charge of Rhodes's group. So you had Rhodes and then you had the FBI guy. And the FBI guy, so says the New York Times, he had been embedded within the group for months. So if it was a planned insurrection, the FBI guy would have known. Why didn't he tell the FBI, hey, we got an insurrection coming up. We, we might want to stop it. They didn't want to stop it. They were inciting it. They were encouraging it. They were egging it on. This all fit perfectly within their narrative. Do you think the media would be willing to do and say anything to cover up scandalous behavior? You better believe it. We see examples of it every day. Here they are now trying to whitewash the crimes of Sam Bankman-Fried. This uh, trial started about a year after January 6. As I say, they weren't getting much. So now they got Rhodes. The New York Times says this, an FBI informant who was embedded for months in the inner circle of Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers militia, there you go, it's the Oath Keepers, is likely to testify as a defense witness in the seditious conspiracy trial of Mr. Rhodes in connection with the Capitol attack on Jan 6. The informant, Greg McWhorter, served as the Oath Keepers vice president. He was the vice president. If they were planning to take over the government of the United States, you would think the FBI would have, if the FBI was honest, if the FBI wasn't corrupt and lawless, well, you would think the FBI would have put a stop to the plan ahead of time. Isn't that, the, isn't that in the interest of the FBI? Aren't, aren't they patriots? Aren't they trying to prevent crime? Well, if the crime plays out and they can throw MAGA Republicans in jail, that's so much the better. I mean, that's the ultimate aim, really. Politico says this, during the nine-week trial, prosecutors contended that the group, at Rhodes's direction, prepared for an armed rebellion. An armed, they were preparing for an armed rebellion. And guess what happened on Armed Rebellion Day? They stormed the Capitol with no weapons, no firearms. Ro what an idiot Rhodes is. So he didn't take the guns? He was going to overthrow the government without any weaponry whatsoever. Okay, I follow. It says here, government attorneys painstakingly reconstructed thousands of text and signal messages. This is how they nabbed him. They got him, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Rhodes even made it into the Capitol. <laughs> That's right. He didn't go inside. He was there, but he was texting. He was texting. And that is evil. That is peak evil. SBF, nice guy kind of got lost in all of the, the stats and figures of things. Didn't know maybe as much as we thought he did early on. But hey, give him a break. It's just $20 billion. But this guy, texting, texting, that's unforgivable. It says here, prosecutors noted that Rhodes repeatedly told followers using rhetoric drawn from the Revolutionary War. Rhetoric? that they would have to take matters into their own hands if Trump didn't act. He was present outside the Capitol while a mob of Trump supporters ransacked the building and bludgeoned police lines celebrating the crowd's actions while two dozen of his allies were inside. He had allies inside the Capitol. 
and later lamented after the January 6th attack on the Capitol that his supporters opted not to bring their rifles to Washington. He just made a big boo-boo, I guess. He later lamented, should have brought some guns. Mm. Defense attorneys contended that Rhodes and other four Oath uh, Oath Keeper defendants were prone to violent rhetoric but took no effort to back up their words. They did have the violent rhetoric, and in the end, there was no violence. That's a, that's a factual matter. They noted that they left their firearms arsenal at the Comfort Inn in Arlington, Virginia, on the day of the riot. Boy, this is some armed insurrection, isn't it? What a farce. <laughs> you talk about phony, phony narratives. Here's another. Here's another. This is the definition, by the way, of seditious conspiracy, according to 18 U.S.C. Code 2384, if any of you know what that means. If two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or to force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. That's what they got him on. Seriously. Even Andy McCarthy, I mean, he's converted over to a rabid never-Trumper. He is never, never, never Trump, okay? This is what he had to say. It wasn't an elaborate, multi-layered plot It wasn't democracy hanging by a thread. It was a mob run amok, a riot. It was dangerous for those on the scene, and it was notorious because it happened at the Capitol instead of, say, on the streets of Minneapolis. But it was a spontaneous, chaotic, nearly pointless tantrum and had no chance. And by the way, he's not saying it. I am. Incited by the FBI. Okay, so let's add that. Just to get the facts right. Just to get the story, clearly says it was a spontaneous, chaotic, nearly pointless tantrum that had no chance of achieving even the, neb- the nebulous short-term aim of preventing Congress from counting state-certified electoral votes, much less of overthrowing America's constitutional order. Oh, and to hear prosecutors tell the story of January 6th, Donald Trump had precious little to do with the whole thing. These are the only logical conclusions to draw from the verdicts returned Tuesday afternoon by a jury in a deep blue... Washington, D.C. How many, Amer- how many ordinary Americans do you think would like to be tried inside of the deep blue city of Washington, D.C.? The swamp. The swamp. They let off all the people involved in Spygate, all the people involved in spying on Donald Trump. They get off scot-free. But this guy, he's a, cons- he's a seditious conspirator, this Stuart Rhodes. Yeah, he went to the Capitol without his guns. He went to the Capitol to take over the government. This is the biggest investigation in the history of the Department of Justice. And we're nearly two years on from that protest. This is from Wired Magazine. It says the FBI's biggest ever investigation included the biggest ever haul of phones from controversial geoforce warrants. Court records show. This is interesting. A filing in the case of one of the January 6th suspects, David Ryan, shows that Google initially identified 5,723 devices as being in or near 
the U.S. Capitol during the riot, only about 900 people have so far been charged with offenses relating to the siege. Uh, only, only 900 people have been charged. I mean, hopefully there'll be more. I mean, man, if you had a phone and you're near the Capitol, you should go to jail just for being close to it. That's what happened to Stuart Rhodes. He didn't go into the Capitol. But he texted some messages that, that had some kind of revolutionary war type rhetoric. It says the filing suggests that dozens of phones that were in airplane mode during the riot or otherwise out of cell service were caught up in the trawl. So the feds can get to you if your phone is on or if it's off or if it's on airplane mode. It says here, nor could users erase their digital trails later. In fact, 37 people who attempted to delete their location data following the attacks were singled out by the FBI for greater scrutiny. Finally, it says here, geofence search warrants are intended to locate anyone in a given area using digital services. It says because Google's location history system is both powerful, listen to this, because Google's location history system is both powerful and widely used, the company has served about 10,000 geofence warrants in the U.S. each year. Location history leverages GPS, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth signals to pinpoint a phone within a few yards. Wow, so powerful, so accurate, and used so often to track down criminals, except except if those criminals are ballot mules delivering ballots to, mute, to, 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 to drop boxes in the dark of night, 2 a.m. Remember what they said after Dinesh D'Souza's documentary came out? You can't trust that technology. Come on now. Within a few yards, says it right here. This is how the feds have put 900 people in jail from January 6th, and they're going after more. And they're getting to phones that even were in airplane mode. It's so accurate. What did the, the article itself say? It's powerful. Yes, indeed. It's powerful when you're going after your political enemies. But when it has to do with, you know, proving that you're a criminal, well, now, you can't really rely on that sort of technology. America is under attack. There's no getting around it. America under attack. Make sure that you call our operators and order your free copy, 1-866-930-3024. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>